The Athletic. This is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people do. It's just a month into Liverpool's season and the expectations have changed significantly. So what can Jurgen do to stem the problems and what are the best expectations now? The Champions League is where the greatest pain was felt, but there is an immediate chance to rectify that with a visit of Ajax. And they're still within six points of top spot in the Premier League. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of the articles on Liverpool, everything on the brilliant site, going to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. And right now there's a special price of a pound a month for six months at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall, joined by James Pearce and Ollie Kay to take a deeper look at a stuttering starter to the season. A stuttering James Pearce after he did the... Uh, the Great North run yesterday. He's fit to talk, but nothing else by the sounds of it, James. <laughs> yeah, I'm in all, all sorts of pain, Steve. Yeah, I think I'd rather watch the Napoli game back than, <laughs> than go for a run today. It was uh, it was that bad. Congratulations. Right, of course, the, the sad passing of the Queen meant that Liverpool didn't go straight back into action after that Napoli game, as, you, as you've mentioned. In many ways, the players might have wanted a quick return to action, James, but it does mean they've had some extra time at the AXA. Yeah, I, I think probably should help Liverpool in terms of, you know, it, it was going to be a very, very quick turnaround, wasn't it? I think when you look at just how much was wrong in that game in Naples and then, you know, they weren't, they weren't flying back till, till Thursday lunchtime, Thursday afternoon. And then you've, you know, you'd essentially, Friday would have been the second recovery day and then bang, you're into a team against Wolves where, you know, you'd have expected them, you know, they're well, well drilled, you know, certainly no pushovers by any stretch of the imagination. So I think for Klopp to probably have a bit more time to work with them, to analyse, because there is so much wrong at the minute, and try and come up with solutions. Yeah, I, I think hopefully we'll see the benefits of that against uh, Ajax on Tuesday night. I mean, it's such a significant moment in time, Ollie, for, for Liverpool. And after the defeat uh, to Naples, Jürgen's analysis was severe, wasn't it? He talked about reinventing the sides, words that I'm sure weren't used flippantly at all. But he's certainly not about to abandon the principles on which his team has been so successful. No, you would, you would think not. I mean, re- reinvent, that, that, that word really surprised me when he said it, because re, you know it's not reset, it's not rediscover. Reinvent suggests doing something completely different, revisiting the whole ideas behind the team and almost sort of starting again. I mean, it may be one of those things he sort of said in the heat of the moment in a in his second language and would probably have backtracked slightly or, or elaborated slightly on it had he seen the media on Friday. But I would say looking at it, and this is this might take us into a, an unintended direction, but I, I almost think looking at Liverpool this season has been a little bit too much reinvention rather than too little. I think if you look at you know, Trent's positioning at times, Salah's positioning at times. Centre forward has been a bit of a question mark because obviously Firmino, Nunez, Harvey Elliott, it's a very different type of player to what Liverpool have had in midfield before. I think if Liverpool were, were, were playing with, in the same way, with a very similar personnel, similar tactics, I don't think some of these issues would be arising. But it's a team that's getting older. It's needed key components replacing or... or uh, you know, replacing the short term with injuries. So I think that, to me, seems to be at the heart of their issues. And I'd be intrigued whether he means 
whether whether he truly meant reinvent. I guess we'll we'll find out when he um, faces the media before the Ajax game. Yeah, we'll find out in true time, won't we? It seems obvious to say, James, but when you're winning, you carry a, an air, an aura of invincibility about you when you're winning consistently. They had that, they carried that last season in what was an incredible campaign. Rebuilding that is not always a quick affair. No, and I, and I think by reinventing, I think he I think he meant getting back to what Liverpool's success during his reign has been founded on. I don't th- I don't think he meant kind of, you know, a sudden shift in formation or in style or anything like that. I think it was just more you know, I think he was just admitting that they're just not doing the things that Liverpool have always prided themselves on, you know, least least of all outworking opponents, because that's probably been the most alarming thing for me so far this season, the way in which they have been outfought and outworked and outrun. And that is a that is a concern because that's it's very rare during Klopp's reign you've ever been able to, you know, accuse Liverpool of of, of that. And defensive organisation and, and resilience. As again, you know, there's, again, Liverpool have had periods where, of course, you know, the high line has been exploited. You know, when when it works, it's great. When it doesn't, it can look, you know, disastrous. But more often than not, the response has been there within games. And you know, not least, you think back to that semi-final against Villarreal last season. You know, disastrous opening forty-five minutes, but you know, the mentality monsters, as Klopp calls them, came out kept their composure and, and ended up winning that tying and booking their passage through to, to Paris. And probably that was one of the most worrying things for me from Naples was, you know, you watch a 45 minutes that for me was up there with the worst halves of football we've seen under Klopp. You know, it was 3-0. It could easily have been five, if not six, with you know the penalty save, the Van Dyke clearance off the line, Napoli hit the post as well. And, and you're expecting a big response, yet... You know, Liverpool concede again within two minutes of the restart. And again, it's like, you know, an absolute comedy of errors in terms of what, what led to that moment. So because you know, even when you think back to when they had the centre-back crisis, it was, although it was a struggle to put it right because he didn't really have the personnel at the time, it was very clear exactly why they'd been derailed. I think at the moment, every single department isn't functioning correctly. And there's just so many factors behind that, not not least so many key personnel performing just way, way below their usual standards. Well, I suppose it doesn't matter how good you are. Every great team has a blip. And Ollie, you've done a terrific piece on The Athletic right now talking about uh, Arrigo Sacchi's legendary AC Milan team of the late 80s and the problems they suffered, a team full of superstars playing amazing football. What are the similarities and what can be taken from it? Well, yeah, I, I was reading. Um, I was reading Arrigo Sacchi's uh, book, The Immortals, which outstanding book. It's sort of revisiting his diaries from the time and training diaries, but also his observations on the team. And I was reading this, and several of the quotes just really reminded me of what we're seeing with Liverpool at the moment. If I can just read, uh, yeah, he said, "If this team, because the thing you think about Sacchi's Milan is, although they had you know, outstanding individuals, they were they were a pressing team, a high pressing team." the likes of which was very rare at that time. I mean, I'm not saying pressing had never happened before the late 80s, but it was it was a new way of playing. He said, during a really severe dip in form in late 1988, he said, if this team doesn't have a few things like pressing and pace, it loses 50% of its potential. 
Uh, we're suffering from a clear drop in determination, too many things carelessly. We're soft in just about every aspect, pressing, marking, speed. We're soft and floppy. We only become more decisive when we go behind. We're full of fear. We're loose cannons. Only a few, few players trying to move in tandem with the others. It really reminded me of what we're seeing with Liverpool at the moment. And I thought it was relevant, A, because a bad patch doesn't simply mark you down as a bad team. I mean, Manchester City had a, a bad patch two years ago. They started that season very, very slowly and people were asking whether whether it was over. Liverpool have had a bad patch before under Klopp. They're going through a bad patch now. Manchester United would nearly always have a, a bad patch in a season and they would always recover under, under Alex Ferguson. Great teams do go through these spells and it's not, you can't be 100% all of the time. Saki was 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 writing in his, his book that when he revisited his diary, he tried to remind himself how they'd got out of it. It wasn't through tweaking anything. It wasn't through reinventing. It was through, you know, intensifying what they did on the training pitch, working harder and working better. So that was interesting to me. But I do think perhaps it's, it's a bit different with Liverpool in that we are suddenly looking at a team with with a lot of older players now who have who have reached an incredible peak together in winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League, getting to another Champions League final and almost winning another Premier League. And you wonder whether they can just keep going, keep going again, because it is, it is quite an old old team now, or relatively old team, but also it's a team that, like Sakis Milan, relies on everybody being at it sort of full pelt. So when on those occasions where we've seen Liverpool lose a bit of form or even one or two players leave lose form, they become almost unrecognisable, like Saki was saying, of, of, of his Milan team. And, and that, to me, is the worrying thing with Liverpool, because if that energy isn't there, if you've got even one or two players, never mind four or five players, off their game, I, ju- I don't think it works. I think, I think it's a team that needs everybody at full pelt. And that's what remarkably, astoundingly, really, they've had for the best part of four years, really, four and a half years. And... When that form goes, when that when that energy isn't there, or that confidence isn't there, and that togetherness isn't there, because of the way they play, it suddenly looks, you know, really poor, fragmented, disconnected. So that's uh, yeah, that's that's what I felt was interesting with with the parallel with Saki's man. Lots of analysis at the moment into the problems and what, and what the difficulties are. And as Ollie mentioned there, the ages of the players is being raised quite a bit. It's refreshing this squad, James. Maybe next window, the next summer transfer window. Is that very much top of the agenda now? Yeah, yeah. But I'd, I'd say, I, I don't think Liverpool have been blind to that when you look at the last couple of years. When you look at, you know, the players they brought in, you know, what Jota, what, 25, Diaz is 23, uh, no, 25 as well. Nunes is 23. You know, you've got Fabio Cavallio just turned 20. Obviously, Harvey Elliott has been around for a few years, but, you know, his role has increased still a still a teenager and obviously you know at the back you've got Kanate so we've seen the kind of the first stage in the evolution of that team but it yeah it does I mean it does feel at the minute due to due to the circumstances you know especially with injuries as well I mean you take you know James Milner has been an unbelievable servant to Liverpool hasn't he but you know rewind a, a few months when he signed that new one-year deal you know no one would have envisaged him starting Liverpool's first Champions League group game that was you know because of the you know more than anything the lack of other options that that Klopp had so you know, I'm sure as players come back you know you look at Thiago's impact off the bench 
the other night. You know, he I think that will that will certainly help that department of the team. But yeah, I think that evolution will definitely have to be cranked up in the next few windows when, you know, especially when you look at, you know, the midfield has been a glaring weakness for Liverpool so far this season. And, you know, you've got a situation next summer where, you know, Milner will be out of contract. You you know, it's hard to believe that, you know, that, that there'll be another contract there for him. You know, you, you've got Oxlade-Chamberlain to be out of contract. You've got Naby Keita will be out of contract as well. There's no sign of him signing an extension after those talks that, that went on in the summer. So you've got, you know, that's that's three midfielders there, that, you know, that are going to need to be replaced. So yeah, I don't I don't think it's a case of I don't I wouldn't say they've kind of mismanaged that handover because I think when you look at the de- the the profile of the players they've brought in in the last few years, they have freshened things up. But yeah, it's it certainly does need to be cranked up a bit because I think if you I was looking back at that starting lineup from Naples last week, I think it was eight if not nine of that team have been there since the start of the 2018-19 season and as Ollie said you know that's that is that you know that's a lot of miles on the clock that's a lot of a lot of going and going again and giving absolutely everything and you just wonder sometimes as well whether you know they, it, whether it does need freshening up to a to a greater degree were there any parallels on age like that with it with Riga Saki's side as well Ollie Oh well, if you if you look at the players, the, the you know the the defence that he had with um, with with Baresi and Costa Curta, you know they were still playing years and years and years later. Maldini, etc. It was uh, I mean that that was a although some of the components um, were replaced, a core of that team you know, went on to to play for years and years. So it's um, there are different situations. I I would be a little bit more critical maybe than than James regarding the. The transfers, the recruitment, and the—I mean, I, I think if you look at the Liverpool team, as James said, had had it was mostly players who who were who were there. Um, you know, the, the team in Naples was mostly players who who were who were signed pre summer of 2018. Obviously, you have others like like Diaz, but it's generally, broadly speaking, it's a team that was a group of players that were bought between 2015 and 2018, and. A group of players who peaked together, and and were built to peak together, and I think are probably, probably now beyond that peak because of, because of the age profiles of the, of the team, and I mean there wasn't really a great deal of freshening up as they went. Um, so if you look back to twenty nineteen, it was Minamino and Adrian and a couple of very peripheral players. The following summer, it was Jota, Thiago, Simakas. Then the summer after that, it was it was just. Canate really it's, it's not they haven't really sort of rebuilt in a, in a sustained way you know the, the Sonny of Diaz was very important but it was a fairly reactive one in terms of that window Nunez has obviously come in now but it's it's sort of signing one player per transfer window one big big younger signing per, per transfer window which has rejuvenated the squad to a degree but I think that I think they probably possibly needed to do a bit more because they didn't do an awful lot between Though you know, for, for three consecutive summers, two of which were obviously affected by the the pandemic, so I just feel that they're a bit behind schedule, really, with that with that freshening up and that rejuvenation of the squad. Look, James, you've written a piece on some of the tactical elements of Liverpool's game, and particularly the high line and the game plan which they they've used so often with such great success as well. Obviously, it's a, it's a tightrope that they walk, but when it works perfectly, 
it's a brilliant game plan, isn't it? But they've been exposed in the last few games, and of course, Napoli Naples was a was a key example of that. It's only effective when the main components do their job. Yeah, it, it goes back to what we were talking about before about a team that's malfunctioning in all departments at the minute, and and that is why the high line, you know, is being exploited. You know, at such alarming regularity, and you know, Naples was. It almost felt like the culmination of all the bits that have been wrong in the game so far. Probably, you know, you take out the equation, the, the demolition of Bournemouth, but there's been there's been so many times in, in almost every other game, I'd say, including the derby at Goodison, where Liverpool looks so vulnerable, especially on the counter attack, where the protection hasn't been right in in front of the defence, and you, and you've thought, God, you know, they they look wide open here. And, you know, and and Napoli absolutely you know cashed cashed in on that, and I don't see Klopp moving away from that. You know, he when he was asked about it after the game, I was at the press conference in Naples post match, and you know he said he was adamant. You know, the problem is not the high line; the problem is what happens further up the pitch, the lack of pressure on the ball, um, the lack of organisation. That you know the when the pressing isn't right, because then that enables teams when they've got time and space in midfield to be able to pick those passes in behind and then it becomes a hell of a lot easier to exploit that high line. The the idea is that when the pressure's right, then teams don't have that time and space to pick the balls. And and then when you, you know, when you throw into the mix Van Dyke's recovery pace, you've got, you know, Allison as the sweeper keeper being able to read the game so well and rush off his line that the thinking is you have to play a very special pass and the timing of the run has to be absolutely spot on from the attacker to exploit the high line but you know at the minute because there's so much wrong because the pressure's not on the ball and also the lack of organization defensively as well I don't think they're blameless I don't think I don't think you could say that well you know the the, the back four are being let down by by the by what's happening further up because you know they've been just as bad I think when you you know when you look at you know you've got some players playing for offside and you look at this the still images and you know then the the shape is all wrong in terms of you know some of them are five yards deeper than than their than their, their other defenders and you know it was just a mess wasn't it and yeah myself and Andy Jones just went back through some of the highlights from that game and um and when you pick out the situations it is alarming you know the the you know the the two sides of it the lack of pressure on the ball coupled with the you know the complete lack of organization you know you look at you know that that one really early on. What was it after forty five seconds was the, was a perfect example where a ball is able to be played in behind. I think Gomez had had a yard head start, yet played for an offside that was never ever going to come. Stopped, and then of course you know once you've put the brakes on, you're never you're never going to catch the, the the man who's just darted in behind you, and that that happened time and time again. And I think in terms of throwing it forward, I do think. You know, I'm sure we'll see Thiago start against Ajax on on Tuesday night, and the stats were, you know, they they just underlined what a difference he made when he came on against Napoli. You know, I think he made he made what was it six tackles? I think in 27 minutes on the field, more than the entire midfield starting three and the fullbacks combined. Um, you know, you look at I think he won something like 78 percent of his duels. You know, uh, Milner and Fabino were in the low 20 percents. You know, physicality isn't necessarily something you would massively associate with with Thiago's game because it, you know he's all about the finesse. But yeah, he didn't half 
you know, shut down space and, and win battles in a way that Liverpool just hadn't done previously. So um, I, I think that will help going forward. You know, the, the, obviously, you know, the, the big question is, can he stay fit? Because that's always the biggest concern with Thiago, that, you know, you know that Liverpool are a different team when he's out there, yet he spends far too much time watching on from afar. Yeah, he, he never has stayed fit, has he? So you've, you've got to presume that that's a trend that will possibly continue. Although you could have said that about Joel Matip and then he, he went through, of course, a season where he played an awful lot. But another one that Liverpool are missing is Jordan Henderson. And it it does feel, and I know he hasn't started the, the season in the best of form, Ollie, but it does feel that it is a side that needs that sort of leadership quality of, you know, what Jordan can provide when he's at his very best. Yeah, if you look at, if you look at the midfielders, I mean... Fabinho as well has not had a good start to the season and you wouldn't write him off on the basis of of a bad month. So I don't think people should write off Jordan Henderson on the, on the basis of bad month, a bad month. Um, I think if, you know, if Liverpool were going in a different direction where they were starting to look at 4-2-3-1, then maybe it would be, you know, say a, a Fabinho-Tiago um, midfield. But I, I still think their, their best option would be with with Henderson, with Thiago, with with Fabinho, with that three-man midfield, and doing what they've done so well over the years. I, I know Henderson. Henderson probably similar to what I've said about Liverpool as a whole. Henderson, when he doesn't look on it, it doesn't look good at all. He'll 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 misplace passes. He'll be he'll be second to the ball when he when he's really on it, which is ninety percent of the time. He's he's tenacious, so good with those first-time passes, first to every ball, first to every second ball. People shouldn't shouldn't be disregarding any of these players based on what is what has been a bad month collectively. Whether that's Henderson, Fabinho, Trent, Salah, whoever, it's the whole team has been underperforming. And I think the more key players they have back, and we all know who the sort of nine or ten, eleven, twelve key players are. The more of those key players are back, the stronger the team will be. And Henderson is certainly still one of those. Well, Van Dijk's getting an awful lot of criticism as well, isn't he, James? I mean, Ollie just mentioned there, all the key players are. Um, Virgil's been such a huge weapon for Liverpool, hasn't he? But where is his game struggling? Yeah, I think it just feels like it's just one part of what feels like a bit of a collective malaise so far this season. Just with, you know, he, he hasn't been awful by any stretch of the imagination, Van Dijk, but just, again, not close to his imperious best and what we've come to expect from him. I think, what was it? You know, the stat was like, I think he went 150 games in all competitions without conceding a penalty for Liverpool. And he's, he's conceded two in the last seven. Yeah, I think just, just careless, careless mistakes. Rushes of blood that you don't associate with someone who's usually so, so calm. You think of, you know, the, the, the penalty on Mitrovic on the opening weekend. You know, even, you know, the challenge that, Players have been probably sent off for less. The one in the Merseyside derby, which again, you know, it, it wasn't malicious, but it was just careless more than anything else. And then, you know, the penalty he gave away in in Naples, like, you know, like again, unfortunate in a way, but he does stand on his foot, which you know we know, you know, how careful defenders have to be in those in those situations. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's difficult to put your finger on it because then you know you look at. Be, you know, either side of him, you look at the fullbacks, and you could say exactly the same things about Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson. You know, in front of the back four, you know, I always think you know whoever Van Dyke's got alongside him, they're also helped usually by just how commanding Fabino is, and you know, Fabino, and again, not to not to single him out, but he's just 
been nowhere near what you would expect from, you know, what I think when Fabino's on it, you know, I don't think there's a better holding midfielder around yet for whatever reason. To me, he, he, he just... He just seems to be half a yard behind where you'd expect him to be almost in every situation. And he's not pulling the strings and, and giving Liverpool that kind of control that he did for, for so much of last season. You know, and then further forward, you could say exactly the same thing about Mo Salah, couldn't you, in terms of his, his influence dwindling. And, you know, as we talked about last week, I think there's a, a strong claim there that he's suffering probably as much as anyone from other departments of the team not functioning properly because... He's not get he's not getting the ball enough in dangerous areas, but yeah, that's that's the biggest thing for me. You, you know, the the debate will rumble on about whether whether Liverpool did enough in the market in the summer, and you know, still believe that they did make a mess of strengthening the midfield. You know, a, enough because I, I think it was glaringly obvious before preseason started that they needed another midfielder in there, not because they lacked numbers, but because they lacked enough midfielders still in the prime of their career or coming into their prime that you could guarantee would stay fit and be durable and available and 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 make a contribution you know on a consistent basis and I think they that is a big mistake you know the fact that they allowed that situation to drag on and on and then ended up having to make a loan signing on the last day of the window but you know the the lack of transfer activity is only one element of it for me because just as important is the fact that there's so many elite world-class players who are just currently performing nowhere near their best. And, you know, that that is the challenge for Klopp and for Pep, Lind- Pep Linders and his staff that it just feels like belief more than anything else for me is just, just ebbed away a bit. And I don't know whether that's a hangover from last season, whether it's the mental side effects of of giving so much and missing out on the Premier League and the Champions League by such narrow margins or... Or is it the physical thing of a 63-game season, you know, and, and a, a shortened off-season, a shortened pre-season, and then, and then and then getting banged straight back into it? But, you know, whatever it is, this is a real test of of Klopp's man management and his ability to, to kind of get the best out of people because at the minute, you know, he's not getting the response that he needs. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So they're straight back into Champions League action. It's Anfield, it's Ajax. And I think Michael Owen made a great point on the BT coverage last week after the the Napoli game, Ollie. He he said, why don't Liverpool just look to start a game tight? Look to get to 15 minutes without conceding a goal. You know, keeping a clean sheet. Look stubborn to beat. And they don't have that about themselves at the moment. 
No, but it, it's never really been their game under Klopp. I mean, it's not it's not always been pedal to the floor, full throttle, etc. But it's been the way they play is generally about being very proactive, being very aggressive, energetic. And it's not about starting games slowly or keeping men behind the ball. I mean, I saw Jamie Carragher was talking about it last week as well. He, he was saying, you know, they just need to drop, you know, drop 10 yards or whatever. And, and But it's it's hard when that just isn't the way you play. I, I don't know how a team that is set up this way can suddenly sort of change tack completely and, and just play more conservatively. That's not, that's not the way they've ever played under Klopp. So they're not doing what they do well at the moment. I think they need to find a way of doing what they do well rather than rather than trying to, to hold it tight. I mean, the Napoli game was, it felt like a perfect storm really because not only were so many elements of that Liverpool team not working and not only were there mistakes in the first minute, fifth minute, 10th minute, etc. But it was also a team that was absolutely built to punish that kind of slackness, you know, with the, with the, the flair, individual flair and speed that they had in their forward line and so good on the, on the counter-attack. I don't think we'll see every team doing that to Liverpool. We've seen, we've seen you know, Everton did it twice in the game, or maybe three times in the derby, didn't score. Palace probably did it once or twice in the game, but scored once. If you're restricting opponents to one chance a game, that that's you're okay. But, it, I mean, that, that the Napoli game was horrendous, really. I think, I think Liverpool... Back in the Champions League, under the lights at Anfield against a team Ajax that will not just sit back and hit them on the counter attack. I think that kind of fixture does suit them really. But it's not; it can't just be a case of getting it right on Tuesday night and then thinking, "Oh, they're back on it now." Because that's what people said after after the nine nil against Bournemouth. That was the backlash, and 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 now Liverpool are going to hit form, and they didn't build on that. They need to go on a run where they are playing. Something like them, their old selves, but going, but looking solid as well, and you know, unified, and, and and where the whole thing is working again, which is the kind of run they went on in the second half of last season. That was an unbelievable run, and I'm not saying they're going to do that, replicate that, but it, it's it needs to be a a proper sustained run of performances and results to get out of out of this uh, slump. Well, of course, we all hope for that run. We spent most of the the red agenda talking about the problems, James, but. Is there room for optimism? As I said at the top of the pod, just six points off the, the leaders in the Premier League. Look, all right, defeat on the first game of the Champions League isn't great, but it certainly doesn't rule you out of progressing in the competition. Where are your expectations now, do you think? Oh, well, I think it's difficult because I think at, at the minute, the, the damage can still be repaired, can't it? I don't, I don't go along with this idea that you know, that, oh, that, you know, that's it. We're now resigned to a you know a season of mediocrity and. I keep hearing people talking about, oh, Liverpool are back in transition. And it's like, well, for a start, I don't buy that because, you know, Liverpool only really lost Sadio Mane as a as a starter. You know, I, I don't think you can just say, well, that's, you know, Liverpool are back in transition, you know, top four this season will be great. You know, th- then we go again next year. I think there's there's so much football ahead and the dynamic is unique this season in terms of, you know, the World Cup midway through as well. So... Yeah, I, I think I think at the minute it's very difficult to kind of put your finger on what this team can achieve this season because we just know at the moment they're capable of so much more than what we're seeing. There's obviously a lot of doom and gloom around at the minute, but I still think, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Thiago back in that starting lineup. Fabio Cavallio has made a brilliant start to his Liverpool career. He should be fit for midweek as well. You know, I thought Jota 
you know, unsurprisingly looked really rusty um, when he came on against Napoli, but he'll benefit from another week's full training, getting him back up to speed. And I really, one thing I'd lo- like to see, I'd like to see Klopp persevere with Nunes. I just think when you go and spend that amount of money on a striker and, and of course there's an adaptation period with bedding him in and, you know, the very different type of centre forward to, to what Liverpool have played with previously. But I just, I thought it was a strange decision not to play him in Naples because, you know, I just think, you know, when that was the statement signing of the summer, that was the big, the, the big one they were bringing in. And I, and I, and I thought not to play him from the start in a game like that because I think you know it's been so stop start obviously with the red card he got as as well against Palace you know I, I, I want to see him playing regularly and and you know and I think the only way he's going to really get to grips with everything is to give him give him that run in the side so you know and, you, and then you look we don't know at the minute whether the Chelsea game will be going ahead next weekend but then we're into an international break where you know Klopp's already said he expects to have Canate back available after that international break, then that's another positive. Henderson will be fit by then as well. So yeah, I I still think as bad as Napoli was and as average as the season has been so far, I still think there's there's much better times ahead. That Chelsea game might not go ahead due to policing issues around the capital, from what I understand. I don't know, but your thoughts on the actual postponement of the game at the weekend, Ollie? Um, I expected it when the the queen died i didn't think matches would go ahead this weekend but then once i saw pretty much all other sports carrying on as normal i mean the the cricket test uh, at the oval resumed on on saturday after play was called off on friday there was rugby union there was rugby league horse racing was uh, was postponed on or cancelled on friday and saturday but then went ahead on sunday even polo <laughs> Polo went ahead, and I, I wrote I wrote a column on it for the Athletic, and um, it provoked a variety of responses. But I think most people agreed that the country didn't seem to be doing this sort of twelve days of national mourning thing that we were led to believe would happen. Shops were open, cinemas were open, theatres were open, pubs were open, cafes were open, restaurants were open. Everything pretty much was was carrying on as normal, and football stopped. And I don't know whether football was you know, when I say football, I mean, you know, the football authorities. I don't know whether they thought others were going to do the same. I don't know whether they thought um, they needed to go further than other sports, that, that that they needed to be seen to be going the extra mile in terms of showing respect. I don't know whether they were concerned about anything untoward happening in, in, in terms of tributes, but it strikes me as a, as a mistake. And I, I wouldn't want to bring the fixture congestion issue into it because I don't think that should have affected the decision I think they should you decide whether or not it's the right thing to do to play and I think if it's if it's the right thing to postpone you deal with the consequences of postponements but at the weekend I was thinking well why isn't football going ahead because everything else is every other aspect of society seems to be continuing and yet football had stopped so I'm sure many other people think uh, football did the right thing and some people might even think football um, got it right and other sports got it wrong. But it's certainly, I mean, we, we all felt this was going to be a really hectic, intense schedule between the start of August and um, stopping for the World Cup in mid-November. And we're now looking at a situation where if, for example, Liverpool's game is called off in um, uh, Chelsea, they will have played two Champions League games in 
four weeks really with the international week and and, and with the international break and and no Premier League games over that period. So that it, it's it feels very stop start rather than this intense schedule that we were expecting. And I'm sure the pause, you know, the the, the break and not having to play again immediately after Napoli, that should probably play to Liverpool's hands a little. But I'd say that for somebody like Darwin Nunez, who was hoping to get, mm. you know, a real steady integration, it's been stop-start initially f- through his own fault and, and now because the schedule seems so um, fragmented. Guys, fantastic stuff. You can read Ollie's piece uh, on The Athletic now, how Klopp's jaded Liverpool can take inspiration from Saki's great uh, Milan side and also uh, James's piece on how Liverpool's lack of pressing is exposing Klopp's high line. They're on the site right now. Thanks for listening to The Red Agenda. Uh, we hope and pray for a turn in fortunes for the Reds. It's Ajax up next and we'll see you later on in the week on The Red Agenda. Goodbye. <laughs>